I'm Captain Kirk. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I saw. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, Kobalian things, to episode 102 of the, Trek, of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. We're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. Jarman, what are those? Those are, of course, the Muppets and Star Trek, and we do one-to-one reviews of the Muppet Show and Star Trek, the animated series now. And this week, we have special Muppet Show guest Shirley Bassey, an animated series episode, How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth. Tooth is a mouthful. It sure is. It's certainly toothsome. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, uh, and so, Steve, tell us about this guest star, Shirley Bassey. Who is this person? That is Dame Shirley Bassey. Holy I'll have you moly. know. She is a Welsh singer uh, who provided the voice of three James Bond movie themes. Oh, which ones? I, Goldfinger was one of them, which we got at the end of this movie. Oh, okay. Uh, Queen Elizabeth II made her a dame in 1999. Mm. And while she never quite made the splash on this side of the pond in the UK. She's huge. And she has had 27 top 40 hits in the UK. Wow. Who would have thought? Right. She's a huge chart topper over there. We know her for James from James Bond films. Right. That's what our audience knows her from. Uh, but what's she up to this week on the Muppet show? Well, backstage pops greet Shirley and asks her to brush his rat. <laughs> so that was weird. Kermit sends out the dancing sacks. Scooter tells Kermit that they only have rust-colored paint for the Goldfinger number. Big problem. Scooter then gets someone to lend the show millions of dollars in gold bars. <laughs> and Fozzie visits Shirley's dressing room. They talk about money. Shirley breaks into pennies from heaven. Money's literally rain from above as Muppets demonstrate that they have no idea of personal space and just flood into her dressing room. <laughs> On stage this week, presumably what the audience saw is Kermit introduces Shirley Bassey, but first we get the Barnyard Boogie. It's a hip-hopping number featuring various barnyard animals. And then after that, some sacks come out on the stage, and whatever act they perform is terrible. (laughs) Kermit then introduces Shirley, uh, who sings Fire Down Below. It's kind of like a sultry number, and Shirley causes several OSHA violations at a gold plant. (laughs) Uh, then we visit Muppet Labs, where Dr. Bunsen Honeydew is doing alchemy and turning gold into cottage cheese. Uh, as always, Beaker bears the brunt of his folly. Up uh, next, we get two pink creatures, Kazoobs, performing Isn't This a Lovely Day? It's a tune you've probably heard, and it's a nice instrumental piece, which, uh, with en- which ends with like a head injury, as any good Muppet number does. Of course. Uh, in front of the stage, de- then down in the band pit, the band plays a jazzy tune after you've gone, and we find out that Janice plays the banjo. Mm-hmm. Kermit is not the only banjo player. This is now canon. Uh, we get a Muppet News flash about the gold being at the show, and the newsman warns about the dire consequences should anyone touch it. He then lays a finger on it, and he gets physically assaulted by a guard. And the doctor is called in, and thankfully the gold is all right. Gonzo then hits the stage. Rolf and a violinist play this classic song, Lieberstrom. Gonzo sword fights a crab and then the violinist. Kermit introduces Shirley one last time. She performs Goldfinger with a pile of gold behind her. Link Hogthrob leads some pigs in an Ocean Eleven style heist in the background as she sings. Kermit thanks Shirley one last time. She's been arrested for stealing the gold. 
fingers are pointed, and that is what we call the Muppet Show. Goldfinger. <laughs> so, Jaron, what did you think of this week's episode with Shirley Bassey? So I had to be honest with myself, and it was kind of a meh episode for me. Um, Shirley Bassey was lovely and everything, but just not nothing outstanding. She had no characters or attempts at characters or sketches, just the songs that she did. But she did pretty well during her songs of kind of re- interacting and reacting to the Muppets. Like, I really did get a kind of a laugh when she was just really um, kind of like, oh, come on, guys. Really? When the pennies from heaven actually fell. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> her facial reactions were pretty great for that. Um, but the backstage plot with the gold being stolen and being closely watched over was all right. It was kind of neat. And Bruno, the security guard, was if anything, fun. I thought it could have been taken to another like an additional level. In what way? Like more guards, put four guards out there or make the rats guards, like yeah. find some angle on it that would have made it more fun and up the ante. Or maybe we could have seen the planning of the heist that would eventually happen at the end of the episode. That would have been fun. With yeah, that would be great. The rats in the background throughout the episode planning to heist this gold with Link Hog- Hogthrob trying to like lead them all or something. That'd yeah, be- he's the Clooney for some gold finger. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, um, no, but, I, I, to- I agree. This was this was like the OK soup of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, where you dip the spoon in, you put it in your mouth and go, yeah, it's chicken noodle. Like that's <laughs> that's this episode. But yet not as comforting as chicken noodle soup. Maybe. Not as comforting. <laughs> um, but I she did OK with the Muppets. There were some really stale and stiff moments. But you're right. There's just so much music in this episode. There wasn't time for much else. Yeah. And also, where is Miss Piggy? Yeah, true. Just Maybe gone. Frank Oz just needed a week. I guess so. Um, and I will say it was pretty cool to see the person who sang Goldfinger perform it on stage. I never that was knew, neat. I never I knew her know name or who her. she was. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. We got to learn something new. Yeah, and she did a great um, job. With but the we song. we only got like two regular sketches: the quick newsman flash and and Muppet Labs. There was too much optional music too. Like that thing with the band could have been cut, and a sketch could have put in there. Apparently, that was the optional uh, UK version. The sketch. thing with the two yeah. pink things could have been swapped, and the sketch put in there, or slower, or, or less. Just time. anything, yeah. but it just ended up being so much music. Yeah, without a lot going on, or any kind of stories being told, or. So I'm with you. This this might be bottom three of this season. Now, mighty, yeah. we're not that far into this season. It's so so meh that it might be actually crap. Right. Yeah. Something so, else could be like, mm, oh, that's tomato soup. Like some other. <laughs> I like that for once, though. Comforting. I like for once, though, that it's not the host's fault. Like she wasn't really bad. She did her thing. She was a good performer. Yeah. She liked being there. She wasn't the Bob Hope or something. You know, she like she liked being there. It was fine. Yeah. But uh, it was just the episode was lackluster. Um, it just you're right. Um, so Shirley Bassey, not bad. Episode meh. <laughs> yep. That's the yeah. grading. <laughs> So what happened on this week's episode of Star Trek, the animated series? Oh, before the we get to that. penultimate episode. We have to talk about our trivia song info. Oh, crap. <laughs> Music this week, Barnyard Boogie by Lewis Jordan and Wilhelmina Gray. Uh, Lewis Johnson became known as the king of the jukebox. That was his nickname and uh, was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1997 as an early influencer of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, fire down below from the film of the same name. It started Rita Haywood, uh, Hayworth and uh, Jack Lemon, a young Jack Lemon. Isn't this a lovely day written by Irving Berlin and made famous by the movie Top Hat. Top Hat is, has the most, is the most soup description ever. Top Hat is about a dancer who travels to London and tries to impress a woman. 
And I read two different synopsis of that, and it's like literally the plot. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's all you needed back then. After you've gone by, uh, after you're gone by, you've gone ugh, by Leighton and Creamer. Uh, the four opening notes were the exact same as the hit song Peg of My Heart. And at the time, it was apparently really common for songwriters to steal the opening four notes of other popular songs, basically like trick people into listening to their song. Oh, and little personal trivia note. I played After You've Gone in jazz band in high school. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Pennies from Heaven by Johnston and Burke it's, uh, from a Bing Crosby movie of the same name. Uh, and in Pennies from Heaven, another one where I just didn't know what it was about. A singer goes to jail on a bum charge and agrees to look out for the family of a death row inmate. He gets out, tries to help the younger sister and her very old, decrepit father. Uh, he meets a beautiful social worker who tries to have the girl removed from their living situation. And then they fall in love. Convoluted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Liebestrom by Franz Litz. He was a Hungarian composer. And I, anytime I, these classic, I always look how they died. That's always <laughs> in this fun. era. It's crazy. <laughs> so he fell down some stairs at a hotel. Oh, geez. During recovery, came down with four or five major ailments <laughs> and then just never recovered. Damn. And apparently his he kept writing music and it just kept getting sadder and sadder and sadder. <laughs> <laughs> so mean <laughs> um and then goldfinger performed by the, the in the movie uh for the movie by shirley bassey uh it was number three in afi's top 100 songs from cinema wow i could see yeah. it so john what did you think was the best muppeteering moment this week so i know you was a scene you said it was a scene that should be cut and i agree that it wasn't exactly the most entertaining but the muppet orchestra performing after you've gone it really is impressive, deceptively impressive, how if you watch closely, how each performer is really trying to match what it would really look like if they were playing that song. The trombone is go is moving when the notes are supposed to be moving. The drum player, the guitar players, everybody's like a trumpet player. They're moving with the music so well that they had to have practiced that a ton and looked at the music, listened to it. And I just find that really impressive. I always have from the very beginning, like the piano playing by Rolf in every episode. It's like it matches what it would kind of look like if he was playing that song. And so I just thought that was really impressive on all of their parts. Um, not necessarily the most entertaining to watch, but impressive. Well, it's funny you say that because mine is another one that I said could have gone mm -hmm. and another sketch with there. And I really enjoyed the Fazoobs. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that they, there was just this old song. And this this sketch had to tell a story and sell it, and there was comedy, and it was just two performers owning the stage as weird pink things. <laughs> was just great, and it really captured me for that amount of time. And I couldn't tell how they were managing to pull off catching the ball every time in its head. That was very impressive. <laughs> um, there's a good chance, I don't want to say for sure, that there was someone up above just at a camera, 18 inches up. Because you got to figure the clearance on these things is really not that big. They trick you with scale. Yeah, that's true. Someone 18 inches up on a platform dropping a ball in. He's pretty close by. And the, the guy above stays the still Above the second. camera line. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I'm going to bet. I don't know that for sure. It could be even more impressive than that, but I'm going to guess. <laughs> that sounds likely. So now, German, what yes. happened on this week's episode of Star Trek, the animated series? We have How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth. 
So a weird space probe has probed Earth and it alerts everyone in the Federation to its presence. So it runs away when it's chased down by their ships and it self-destructs. So the Enterprise is sent to follow its signature from whence it came and eventually finds itself being trapped in a force bubble by this unknown ship. Now the ship projects an image over its hull and it's there's a Native American ensign suddenly on the, on the crew of the Enterprise piloting it. And he recognizes that shape that it's projecting as a legendary Kukulkan from Mayan stories of the ancient past. Now, apparently, the real Kukulkan is on the ship, and he was the one responsible for sending the probe to Earth. Because apparently, he went to Earth centuries ago to help along human civilization, as he thought them to be savages. But he eventually left, promising to one day return to check on their progress towards being a more peaceful civilization and more advanced. Uh, leaving to behind his depictions everywhere and pyramids throughout ancient, ancient cultures throughout the world. So he suddenly beams Kirk Ensign Walking Bear, that's his name, Scotty and Bones to his ship where he plans to test them and their knowledge of him. And they find themselves suddenly in what appears to be an ancient mesa filled with towers of Kukulkan's likeness and a giant pyramid. And Kirk decides to check out the top of the pyramid and tells the others to go check the surrounding area. And they eventually figure out that they need to swivel these towers around the pyramid uh, so that they reflect the sunlight above to hit the top of the pyramid, which will then activate a beacon to Kukulkan. So suddenly, as they do that, he appears before them and he begins to talk to them, finding out they no longer remember very much about him, which pisses him off. So he brings them to his alien zoo aboard his ship, where he keeps these creatures he's found across the universe in these tiny little glass cages but he makes their minds believe they are in a peaceful paradise, like an illusion, basically. So they're all sleeping there peacefully. And he says he's very disappointed in humanity, and he doesn't think that they have progressed beyond when he left them. And he thinks they should join the other animals in their cages, so they should all just live fake paradises in their minds, so they will be more peaceful. But meanwhile, back on the Enterprise, Scott, uh, Spock and Uhura try to figure out how to get out of the force bubble that Kugel Khan placed them in, and Spock figures out a warp slingshot of sorts should do it. And they successfully escape using this warp slingshot effect. Uh, back on Kukulkan's ship, Kirk is still trying to reason with him, but Kukulkan won't have it. He then senses, uh, Kukulkan then senses that the Enterprise has escaped his force bubble, so he's about to attack them with his ship. Uh, so that just then, Kirk and his crew jump into action to distract him. They start freeing the animals from their paradise cages, including a super dangerous electric cat. And this distracts Kukulkan enough that the Enterprise is able to shoot his ship. Now, the super dangerous electric cat is about to take down Kukulkan, but Kirk saves him by tranquilizing the cat. And Kirk then reasons with him that, see, we're not just primitive savages anymore. I saved you when I didn't have to, and we outsmarted you by escaping your force bubble, basically. So Kukulkan realizes they don't need his guidance anymore, and he lets them leave, promising to leave humanity alone for now. So that's the episode. Steve, what'd you think about it? All right. All right. So this is my favorite episode. What? <laughs> may, maybe of the animated and the original series. Holy crap. <laughs> I kid you not. This episode was insane. It had so much <laughs> stuff. It had lore dumps. It had a crazy benevolent God who just acted like a disapproving mother-in-law <laughs> the entire time. Um, we got like crazy history stuff, which I loved, uh, really just the dialogue of Kukul Khan was like my absolute favorite. Like, don't we have the right to speak? 
well, I guess so. Taught like, but he just treated them like pets. It was so funny <laughs> and so good. Um, there were some crazy moments in this one too. I, at the beginning, when um, it was so, it was Duhan doing the voice of the the Native American character, right? But he didn't do a very good job. So at one point they showed, and they didn't do a very big job because it was, they used Scotty's frames and just put like a face over it, kind of. <laughs> and so Tata went, why the hell did Scotty just talk like that? But I had to rewind it twice to figure out that that wasn't supposed to be Scotty. He calls him Walking Bear. <laughs> I know. He calls him Walking Bear. But the voice that came out was Doohands. <laughs> and they didn't, they used Scotty's figure. They used his base animation for the guy. But they put a different face on him. And they, like, made his hair dark, but just a little bit. Like, furrowed his brow a little bit. I kid you not. I think he looked very different. (laughs) Why the hell is Scotty talking like that? It took me completely (laughs) off guard. You're crazy. Uh, At one point, there was a bad animation mistake where, like, lights were flashing. And I can't remember who was in frame. It might have been McCoy. And that guy was over his shoulder. And then all of a sudden, he was gone. I didn't just gone. <laughs> they they mismatched the frame somewhere how and he disappeared. That's funny. Um and then at one point is my favorite moment. I laughed I laughed so hard. Um they're talking to Kuku Khan and Kirk Kirk's like kind of in the lead and McCoy says something kind of smarmy. I can't remember even what it was. McCoy says something smarmy and Kirk goes goes, Pone Scotty, be quiet. But I was like, why was Scotty involved in that? He <laughs> didn't say anything. shit. It was great. Though. I didn't it felt think like about such that. a good moment. <laughs> Scotty, you shut the fuck up. <laughs> My favorite part was they, they Kukul Khan was like, um, are you not scared of me? And they, they cut to all of them. Like Kirk's face is right in the frame and then they're all behind him. And they didn't really animate them looking having any emotion on their face. They just look yeah, bored. Just them staring back. They're just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's what they look basically. It's like, nope, they're not scared, obviously. <laughs> oh uh, my god. Yeah, that that was yes. So between all those factors, the over-the-top thing that we get the like benevolent space alien, the tie-ins to like human history. We get like a D style puzzle in there. Oh, like yeah. solve the temple, turn the snake heads. Oh, and it illuminates a thing and summon. Like that's a D and D puzzle we got to watch. <laughs> it had this. This episode had so much going for it. Wow, I was not expecting that. And Spock was removed from the picture because Spock was back on the ship. I think mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So because of that, there wasn't logical Spock down there to ruin the whole thing with explanations. It got to be a crazy episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> He couldn't fix everything immediately. He wasn't basically. there to ruin this amazing thing that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So between all of those things, this is def- thus far. Maybe the next one's going to change my mind. This is definitively my favorite episode of the of, of the animated series and maybe of the entire original series canon. That's insane. I It was so good. Me watching this, I'm like, oh, another... <laughs> benevolent god who or no another god who thinks he needs to test humanity because they're all savages i just like that this one was literally a god like that made me so happy he was just even gonna advanced alien he was saying his planet was destroyed long ago he said that's right but that made it even better i guess that's what they all are though they're all just advanced aliens that seem like gods like remember who mourns for adonais it was the same thing like the roman gods that came down to earth before i don't know but this didn't bug me as much weird because because well it was because he was he was the antagonist certainly but he wasn't like a bad guy 
really? <laughs> no, not really. He's like, I'm looking out for you, my pets. <laughs> like, bow to me. <laughs> Even if you hate me, I don't care. <laughs> Let me feel your hate. <laughs> yes. We don't hate you. Um, but even that was like, he was just, he was like a big, dumb adult child, kind of. Uh, yeah, that's not true. That's, that's, that's true. Uh, so, and so for whatever reason, <laughs> I found that additionally charming. At first watching it, I, it was like, oh, convenient Native American is so convenient. because <laughs> like they ran to Kukul Khan and there's a Native American suddenly piloting your ship. But it makes more sense when I get to trivia later why that happened. But just watching okay. it on its own, I was like, that's really silly. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, for me, it was just a meh episode because I was just like, I thought it was cool that they could have so many of the, the cool alien creatures. Well, all the cool alien creatures and Kukul Khan himself. It was cool they could show that because they couldn't do that in the original series. No, they, they couldn't have done any of that. Right. So that was pretty None cool. Of it. I did like that aspect of it, that we could see these weird, funky creatures. One of them looked like, like they're from Coosbane, actually. <laughs> a little bit. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a connection right there I didn't think of. So for me, this is a very meh episode, but maybe one of Steven's favorites of all time. <laughs> I can't believe I mean, it. no doubt. Between how over the top it was and those funny little moments, like this, even though I love it, it might not be for the right reasons. Like, I love that that guy just disappeared. No one caught it. I love that, that, that Kirk just told Scotty to shut the hell up and he hadn't said it. Like, I love those. With, and all those add up to me loving this episode. So you love the continuity errors is what you like. <laughs> no, but I also love I love the human history thing. Yeah, and that yeah. he's such an advance that they thought he was a god and he was trying to get them to build this thing. But none of them got it right. And, and then the D&D. But like all of those things were just so Fair. good Fair enough. for me for whatever reason. <laughs> All right. Well, some trivia for this episode. We got some good stuff on this one, actually. Usually, there's only like one or two things I can find in the end. Usually, this is terrible. <laughs> so, the title, as I mentioned in the episode, is based on William Shakespeare's play King Lear in Act One, Scene Four, where he says, "How sharper than a serpent's tooth is it to have a thankless child." Um, this was the first episode to feature the appearance of a Native American starship crew member on Star Trek in Ensign Walking Bear. Uh, then we would, of course, later on have Chakotay on Voyager, which Steve will get to eventually, who's a main character, who's a Native American. The second in command, right? That's right. Uh, um, Janeway? To Janeway, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> Good job. Uh, the plot point about Kukul Khan actually being an alien life form was inspired by the Eric Von Daniken book, Chariot of the Gods, which I know a lot about, unfortunately, because of my paranormal interest. Um, especially claims like Indian sites in Peru having actually been created by aliens as methods of communication. Um, and now there's actually a documentary on Netflix by a guy named Graham Hancock, who's kind of a pompous ass, but he thinks that all archaeologists are wrong and that all societies are connected. Ancient civilizations are connected by a dragon or serpent creature, which relates back to Eric Von Daniken and this whole thing about Kukul Khan and uh, Quetzalcoatl, they could all be the same person or, or alien race that was around advancing our civilizations. Uh, the character Kugel Khan is one of several examples of an exotic non-humanoid alien that would not have been possible in the live-action series, and his ship would have been quite difficult to depict as well with that effect on it and everything, which is pretty cool. Uh, one of the co-writers of this, this is how he makes sense of the Native American being on the on the ship, one of the co-writers of this was actually Native American, Russell Bates, um, and DC Fontana, longtime writer of the Star Trek series, had always encouraged him to write a story based on the legends of his people. So he, this is what kind of came out of that. Uh, but the episode was also influenced by the death of Gene L. Kuhn, who you'll always see like in the opening and closing credits. 
He was a longtime writer producer of the show of the original series as well. Who was that? Um, Russell Bates had a close professional relationship with him, and he says, "I made up my mind then when when Gene Kuhn died." Uh, that my next try at the animated series Trek would be in honor of the tribute to Gene Kuhn's memory. So he made an episode like Who Mourns for Adonais because Gene Kuhn wrote Who Mourns for Adonais. So that's why it was similar to that and related to his Native American history, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, because neither David Weiss or Russell Bates, two of the writers producers on this, were at William Shatner's recording session, session, session <laughs> the writers were unable to monitor his pronunciation of Kukul Khan's name. Consequently, Shatner mispronounces the moniker as Kukla Khan throughout the episode. I thought he was saying Kubla Khan repeatedly, in fact. <laughs> he did. That's why when I was just looking up the name, I went, what? Yeah, he says Kukla Khan instead of Kukul Khan. Uh, despite the other characters pronouncing them correctly because they were all in the same studio together recording this, but William Shatner was in New York at the time. So he had to record separately from everybody and no one told him he was saying it wrong. So he was just like, Kukla Khan, <laughs> sabotage. Uh, sabotage. So that's the uh, trivia for that. So what's our Trek connection Muppet connection? Oh, okay. So first one, both Shirley Bassey and Leonard Nimoy covered the song, Sunny. Sunny. Leonard Nimoy's very weird musical career has saved my ass on so many of these. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, and then, so this is kind of connection. So Shirley Bassey did was the voice of three of the Bond songs, including Goldfinger, which she was featured on this in the Star Trek uh, Discovery Deep Space. Oh no, sorry, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I'm wrong. In the episode Our Man Bashir. Yes, it is entirely themed and inspired by James Bond films. That's true. MGM was apparently pissed and had lawyers send a stern letter to the producers of the show, just warning them about their homage and that they may have taken it too far. Mm. <laughs> I have the whole soundtrack to that episode on my computer, and it's there's a lot of little riffs that kind of like almost hint to the James Bond theme and then disappear. Star, yeah, Star Trek homaged so hard that they almost got sued. They got they got a don't do it again. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so those are my two Trek connections. Well, there should be more connections because these are the same episode. And boy, do I have some similarities. Mm -hmm. uh, both feature people with exotic pets. Kukul Khan with his menagerie of pets and Shirley ba Basie with her crocodile. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have something similar. Both feature rare things in captivity. The big cat beast in its cage and the gold pile in the vault. That's true. Uh, both feature an overlord forcing their underlings to make things out of gold. You have Kukul Khan with the ancient people of Earth and Shirley, oh, good. Shirley Basie with her gold sweatshop factory that she had. With all those dudes. <laughs> That's right. Both feature surprising reveals. The space cod being responsible for multiple early societies and the fact that Janice plays the banjo. <laughs> Uh, Big reveals. Both contain strange space creatures. Uh, the Menagerie of Zoo Kukul Khan had at the and also the Fazoobs from Planet Kuzbane performing on stage at the Muppet Theater. And I last one I have here is both have someone accusing someone of something they are innocent of. We have Kukul Khan accusing Kirk and humans of still being warmongers and violent. And then security guard Bruno nice. accusing Kermit and Shirley Basie of stealing the gold. And they didn't. Man, baseless accusation. Baseless. <laughs> oh, God. Transporter malfunction. Transporter malfunction. All right. It's part of the show where we transport one character from one episode to the other and vice versa. So what you got for us, Steve? 
to find Tricked something? Tricked him up this week. I'm going to bring over the snake god, Kuku Khan, and replace Shirley Bassey in Goldfinger with it guarding its hoard of gold and then Link Hogthrob and the pig sneaking in behind it as it tries to guard and judge everyone. <laughs> Mine's kind of similar because I have Kukul Khan to replace Bruno the security guard and he'd be all protective of the gold until he found the Muppet crew worthy enough to give it to them. I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm track. I'm going to bring over the Fazoobs or just the one that shoots the thing out of its head <laughs> and I'm going to replace Kukul Khan because I think that would be the funniest visual ever. Where this disembodied voice is like, finally, I have come, and it's this thing. <laughs> and for whatever, that pink thing has that same voice, though. Yeah. You are like disappointing children to me. It looks completely goofy and ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Muppets of Trek, I'd have Dr. Bunsen Honeydew replace Captain Kirk. Because he would turn all of Kukul Khan's animals into cottage cheese. <laughs> and it would be so intimidating that Kukul Khan like would have that. to bow to him instead. Bow to me. Bow to me. So that brings us to the end of episode 102 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for the Muppet Show with special guest James Coburn. And the final animated series episode of the second season, The Counterclock Incident, where we will actually go over our top three and bottom three of the season, which there's only six episodes, so it's going to be all of them, and then kind of see if That's that right. changes our, our uh, placement of the whole se- the whole series at the end as well. So stay tuned for that. And I think you're in for a surprise because of this crazy space stake from this week's episode. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. Oh,